Good evening. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? This is Tanner from TanManBaseballFan.com. It is Tuesday, October 15th, and uh, I am once again on my walk uh, that I take uh, at night. And uh, so, of course, as always, I apologize for this not being professional quality. Um, again, one of the uh, appealing things to me about this medium is I don't have to plan. I don't have to sound uh, professional. I don't even know if this is really considered a podcast. <laughs> it's really just me talking for 10, 15, 30 minutes uh, about whatever I please, I guess, whenever it comes to baseball cards or garage sales or down the road uh, entrepreneurship, uh, just whatever kind of tickles my fancy. So hope. Uh, I guess what I really want is I want to bring value to you if you're listening to this. So uh, tonight what I'm going to talk about is how, let me see what I want to talk about first. We'll do this on the fly together. So I think what we're going to talk about is how to make money with baseball cards. might do this as a two-parter, so we'll see how it goes. But uh, to start out with, Um, I'll go ahead and kind of tell you uh, where I want to go with this uh, first. So um, we're going to look at making money with our own collections because there's two things. Number one, you can look at money or look at this as how can I make money with my own collection? And number two, how can I look at making money by buying other cards? So I think what we want to do is we want to start off with the cards that's in our collections that we uh, already have. So that way there's no initial uh, investment up front. Like you could literally make some money right now uh, with your cards. And so I kind of want to help walk you through this so that way you can kind of turn your collection from just like, uh, you know, mix match of uh, cards that you pulled from packs to this, that, the other, to like this powerhouse of a collection that you just love that you just have every single card that you enjoy the heck out of so um, it is my long-held belief that it is better to have 10 cards that you are absolutely in love with as opposed to 10 boxes of cards that you don't give a rip about so that's kind of my my starting point here uh, my introduction if you will into this podcast so which, by the way, I made up on the fly while I was on here with you. So, <laughs> so we'll uh, uh, we'll go ahead and get started. I'll tell you kind of a little bit about what I've done in the past. I've written about it before um, on my website and on the forums, but uh, um, ultimately, back I think about um, 2005 or so, there were there were a couple of hurricanes that hit this area um, and Louisiana. So Hurricane Katrina hit Louisiana. Hurricane Rita hit us. And we were without power. And by the way, I had been out of the hobby at that point for probably 11, 12 years or so. And I had my collection, my childhood collection, um, from, uh, you know, when I was a kid, obviously, which is why I said it was my childhood collection. Like I said, see that, y'all? It's not polished at all. I just... I'm just going to talk. I'm just going to talk through this stuff um, and post it live when I'm done. But uh, anyway, uh, my childhood collection was in my closet uh, for uh, 
the longest time. And if we'd move, I'd haul the boxes from place to place. And I remember uh, pulling out my cards because I don't think we had uh, any electricity at this point because of the, of the hurricane. And I said, huh, that'd be kind of interesting. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look through my baseball cards again. And like, I hadn't even thought about those things all that much <laughs> for like over a decade, right? And uh, you know, so I uh, pulled them out and I pulled out my binder of uh, Jose Canseco cards and a little box I had with the doubles. and. Brought them downstairs, and I just remember going, man, I love these. <laughs> this is so cool. <laughs> and it brought back so many memories. Like, so many memories were, came flooding in. So, anyways, later on, if you've read my book, uh, you probably know how part of this goes. But my uh, mother-in-law and sister-in-law came in. And uh, <laughs> they come in, they were uh, doing something uh, with us at the house. And... Uh, the, my sister-in-law looks at the table. There I am, like probably, I don't know, 25 years old. 25-year-old man in the midst of all these Jose Canseco baseball cards. <laughs> and she looks at me, she goes, wow, man crush much? And I felt like this, like, embarrassment. Like, I almost had to, like, explain to her <laughs> what, what I was doing. <laughs> and that is so funny. I think she was probably, like, 15 at that point. Uh, so it's so funny, but um, anyways, after that, I started realizing, man, she kind of caught me right-handed, not just about the Canseco cards, but about baseball cards in general. So uh, as you probably have experienced as well, um, once you get back into the hobby, it kind of doesn't let go of you. So I started looking on eBay and I found these complete sets and I had like this goal to have like every single complete set of baseball cards from the time I was born, 1980, to when I stopped collecting, which was 92 or 93. Um, I picked up a few things, 93 and 94, I guess, but uh, really 92 and 93 was probably the end of me heavily collecting. Uh, so I started and I was super excited because like the <clears throat> 1988 score rookie and traded set that used to be 80 bucks or whatever, um, was now like 20 or something. And the 83 top set that used to be 150 was now 30 or 40. Um, and a lot of these sets, you know, of course, 88 Donruss, 89 tops, all those were like $2 sets, but the shipping of course would be like 12 bucks. And uh, so it's kind of a weird, surreal feeling. Um, but uh, the problem is, is uh, after doing that, I started to take notice of other cards that they're offering. And they're offering these uh, cards that were called game-used cards. And so back then, when I came in, it was like, you know, holy crap, what are these things? Like, they actually have pieces of jersey that the baseball players on the cards themselves were wearing in a game, and they're embedded in the card? Like, that was foreign to me. Like... I don't know, it, it felt like a, some sort of like a futuristic alien kind of technology. Like they're overdoing it, but I loved it. And so what I did ultimately is I started buying them. And I kept buying them, and I couldn't stop buying them. And so I go, oh man, after a while, it didn't matter. It could have been like Tim Hudson or Jason Giambi or, uh, you know, Nick Asaski, I don't know, uh, Randy Myers, Sid Bream, it didn't matter. You know, I just, I wanted to get all of them. And uh, I set like a, 
um, a limit. Like as long as it was under $2, it had my name on it. And so I found out pretty quickly that, you know, once you get like a thousand of those suckers, it really, it's not really meaningful. <laughs> and so I started feeling buyer's remorse, which it happens to me quite a bit whenever I get sucked into something and don't have a level head about myself on it. And uh, so I said, man, I got to start selling these things. And so I started thinking, man, did I just waste a bunch of uh, money for nothing? And I, I almost felt sick that I did it. So uh, I looked at him. I looked at the sets that I had. And I said, man, I just got to sell everything. I want to sell my childhood collection too. I just don't want to be part of this anymore. And because it's just a, a huge money suck. So what I did is I started selling them and I found something pretty quickly about myself that I actually enjoy the process. Uh, I liked sorting them into teams and, uh, and I think I said this in my garage sale podcast session, uh, sales cures all. You know, when you start selling things, you instantly feel better. And so I started making a spreadsheet, especially these game use cards. And I, I'd say like, uh, Okay, I've got a thousand of them. I averaged them out for uh, $2 each. And then if I, if I sold a hundred of them for two twenty-five, I could say, huh, well, the other 900, I have about $1.80 into each. And then I kept doing that for several months, you know, until I got to where I had a hundred left or 200 left and, uh, or they were basically free. And so that gave me pause. I stopped and I looked back and I said, huh, if I can make money on this, why would I stop collecting? Um, I enjoy collecting. I just don't like uh, wasting money. So I think this is going to be some advice that will be applicable to you um, in your collection because uh, it will help you a lot also, I think. Because um, nobody wants to have a hobby that just uh, you know sucks all the extra cash that you have and then some out of you. So uh, ultimately, I did end up selling a lot of my childhood collection. Um, almost all of it actually and uh, at that point I started and everything that I bought like this the sets the game use cards the autographs everything but I turned around and I started buying things that I thought I could make my off of so uh, because I've been down this road um, I wanted to uh, you know kind of help you out if you have a collection right now that you don't know how to sell it and you're not like in love with it um, so hopefully this will help you a little bit. So what I want you to do is I want you to think about what your collection is right now. Uh, do you have a box of commons? Do you have a box of singles that you think are valuable, but you don't really care about? Um, you know, start thinking about these things. And then the other question is the, uh, the firehouse question. And that question is this, if your house caught on fire and you could only take a handful of cards, maybe like, uh, uh, you know, put a number on it. So let's say 10 cards, 25 cards, 50 cards, whatever it is. If you could only keep those cards, what would they be? And as a follow-up question, how would you feel if those other cards burned up? Would you be upset? Would you not care a whole lot? What would your, where would your heart be at? Where would your mind be at? Would you be like just really raving mad or would you just be thankful that you brought the cards, uh, got to keep the cards that you uh, 
uh, saved initially that was like the handful or something. So what that does, and there's, it's, it's aside from just being a fun exercise, um, it is something that uh, is very helpful to prioritize in your collection what you love versus what you don't care about. And so what I would argue is it's probably best to get rid of the cards that didn't make your list, your firehouse list. So let's say you have left over a couple hundred dollars worth of cards, a couple thousand dollars worth of cards, $20,000 worth of cards, it doesn't matter, whichever it is. Um, but once you're able to determine what you can live with getting rid of and what you really, really, really want to keep, then from there you can actually start the process of selling. So. I know that it's very difficult sometimes to determine what that is, uh, you know, what it is that you would want to sell. So, or, or really not just what you want to sell at that point, because we've already figured it out, but more of like a, how much you want to sell it for. And so the main question that you have to uh, ask right after that is how much money can I get out of these cards that I don't want anymore? So it's uh, super easy and I've talked to a lot of people that have gone down this road and they've just started and unfortunately the number one thing that stops them from actually selling at a proper price is uh, overpricing what they have. So they put it on the market and nobody buys. They go, what the heck? <laughs> Why is my 1982 Topps uh, Cal Ripken Jr that has a book value of $40, not selling for $40. I don't understand. So what you need to do is you need to start looking at how much cards have actually sold for. And so the way you do that is one way you can go to uh, www.cardsnoop.com and you can type in whatever you want. And also I just found out something that's kind of cool is if you have a seller's account on eBay, uh, you might want to research this a little bit. Um, I think it gives you a free access to TerraPeak, which allows you to see what cards have sold for as well. Uh, so for your 82 tops, uh, Ripken, that's booking for, for 40 bucks. Um, you might go on cardsnoop.com and find out that it typically is only going for $12. And so that right there is a, is a big, takes a big readjustment of your expectations which is a good thing. It's a necessary thing. So my recommendation before you get into this is understand that your cards might be worth in way, way, way less than half of what you think they're worth and be okay with getting the market value for them. Because, you know, listen, you don't want to start off or uh, start off this journey by getting flustered with what you can or cannot, uh, sell for whatever price you got out of everything to begin with. Like if you bought that Ripken for 40 bucks several years ago and you can only get 12 out of it now, don't just hang on to it if you don't love it. There's, it's no, there's no reason to. So my recommendation to you, sell it for the 12 bucks, put that $12 into something that you really like or save up or whatever you want to do. So that's my recommendation to you for those. Um, now, I will tell you another pitfall that comes along with uh, this method as well 
is when you start doing this, um, there's gonna be a lot of work involved, especially if you have a very, very large collection. So uh, a lot of people simply do not have the time uh, or energy <laughs> to put in uh, on eBay, uh, taking pictures of every single little card and uh, posting them on line and then waiting because it's a waiting game after that right you're not the only one with the 1982 tops caliber Junior card for $12 out there there's a lot of them out there so what I have uh, found to be very helpful is to uh, group cards in lots and put them on like Facebook marketplace or Craigslist or the Facebook groups or Twitter uh, the more and on the forums by the way also blow out um, I found that the more places that you put cards for sale, uh, the quicker you'll get them sold. And uh, it's just because ultimately you're reaching more eyeballs. So, you know, you, you don't want to limit yourself just to eBay or something. So, uh, anyways, one thought would be to sell them in lots. So if you have a box of lower-end cards, sell the entire box. Don't worry about getting every single last penny that you can out of it. Move them for a price that you feel fairly comfortable with. That way you have the money to go forward and save up for something that you really, really like. And uh, I think that's probably the uh, path to having a collection that's meaningful, that's enjoyable, uh, that's something that you love, as opposed to just saying, oh, forget it, I'm just going to keep these and do whatever. Well, I mean, it's kind of like free cash there because... Uh, if you don't have um, any cards that you don't care about or don't want to keep, then I think you're ahead of the game, um, regardless of how much you had put into them already. Because remember, a lot of times when it comes to these cards, um, if you sold or if you bought that Ripken for 40 bucks, it's probably never going to go back up to 40 bucks. So there's no real reason uh, to hang on to it just because you have that money in on it. Because remember also, um, if you can only get 12 bucks out of it, that's a, uh, what, a $28 loss. Well, guess what? A year or two from now, you could probably get another Ripken for 12 bucks if you wanted. <laughs> so, you know, just think about that. Um, so another, uh, another problem that I know that people have is they don't know when to start selling. And that was for me. Like I... I stayed away from selling on eBay for years because I wanted to get everything right. Like, when's the best time to sell? The best day? The best part of the evening? Do I do auctions? Do I do buy it now, best offer? So there's just a lot of stuff to go through. And so I, uh, I uh, experienced uh, uh, paralysis by analysis. And what that means is there's so much stuff that I wanted to look at and, and dive into I didn't do anything. So my recommendation to you would be to just do it. Just uh, dive in head first um, and go for it. Now my recommendation as well, I want to give you some tactical pieces of uh, advice as well here. Um, I would not start a bunch of super common cards at a penny for a seven day auction uh, because a lot of these cards are not really going to go for much. So my recommendation for you is probably what I normally do, which is if a card is worth $10 or more, generally speaking, I will almost always, always, always 
uh, put it for a buy it now or best offer. So that way it'll just, you know, sit in your store until somebody buys it. You don't have to worry about a $10 card selling for 72 cents because all of its potential buyers were focused on these other cards, you know, cause that's no fun. You never want to, <laughs> you never want to sell a $40 card for four bucks or whatever. Um, so I like the idea of pricing them a little bit higher. So there's uh, a little bit of room to negotiate. Now there is a little bit of a sweet spot that I want to let you know about as well. Like if you have like, let's say a $200 card that you want to sell and it only goes for 200, um, you know, consider putting it for 225 or best offer um, and field some offers or, you know, you might have, you might get lucky and have somebody buy it for 225. Now, especially when it comes to like one of ones or something, you know, but one thing you do not want to do is put a $200 card up for a thousand dollars. Number one, because <laughs> it's just wrong to, <laughs> to take uh, five times the money out of somebody that uh, doesn't know what they're doing. But number two, it's going to become a garage ornament on eBay at that point. And so once a, a rare card that's more expensive um, stays on eBay, it becomes stale and the, the freshness and excitement of the card goes away for a lot of people that might have been watching it since day one. So you don't want to just uh, keep it on there forever, hoping to squeeze every little last penny out of it. You know, my recommendation would be uh, to put it for a bit higher so that way you can field some offers and hopefully get lucky to get a little more than the last few sales. But um, anyway, so yeah, that's kind of my recommendation to, as far as, you know, tactically um, listing things. I never do auctions myself personally. I just don't ever do it. I know a lot of people do and they have uh, success and maybe that's a little more of an advanced move for a lot of folks. So if you're just getting into this, maybe don't. Um, but anyway, so uh, as far as the commons that you have, um, you know, you might want to put those on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist. So let's say you have a box or 10 boxes of commons or just like taking up uh, garage or closet space and your wife is just uh, griping at you for having this stuff you know that's uh, getting rid of them locally is a great way of doing it you know try 10 bucks a box 5 bucks a box 20 bucks a box whatever um, but uh, it's better to have that money in your pocket to do what you really want with it as opposed to just having commons because I don't think uh, many people want commons in their collection unless that's what you're going for if you love putting together sets and you know that sort of thing then that's a an entirely different thing in and of itself so now if you're on the other hand on a mission to collect only cards that you like that are higher end yeah get rid of those things you know and uh, work on something meaningful so um and that's really kind of all there is to it it's really just kind of number one determining uh what you want to keep and what you want to sell and number two, actually listing the cards that you want to sell. And number three, uh, having a good understanding of what the market will bring for those cards. So I told you again what the tools are for that. Cardsnoop.com. You can look up what uh, cards have gone for uh, in the past, like the 82 Tops Ripken. Um, so that way you can appropriately price your cards. Uh, number four, lower end cards. Consider grouping them together and sell them that way. Uh, 
And number five, the higher end cards, sell them with singles, but don't put them too high. Try to find a sweet spot so that way you can uh, give yourself the best uh, possibility of making some money and uh, getting as, as good of a price as you can on them. So uh, that's really it. So at the end of the day, uh, what, what should happen is you should have uh, taken your collection that may or may not be 90 to 95% of cards that you don't really care about at all and uh, defining what you like and uh, selling those and coming up with just the cards that you want to keep along with a pocket full of cash that you could do something with that's very meaningful for your collection. So that's all I have for you tonight. Thank you for listening. I really do hope that you can like, subscribe, and share this podcast. And if I remember my train of thought for tomorrow night or the next night or whenever I do this again, uh, I think we will go into uh, figuring out how to spot deals and how to buy cards to make money. So what we're talking about tonight is more defense. We're going to go into the offense the next time. Thank you guys. Um, Don't forget to buy my book, uh, Confessions of a Baseball Card Addict, available on Amazon. It's uh, for sale for $9.95 right now. Uh, I'm very accessible online. You can hit me up at TanManBBFan on Twitter. Uh, Email is TanManBaseballFan at gmail.com. And website is TanManBaseballFan.com. Thank you again for listening. Hope you all have a great night.